Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Det är 2022 och vi drar igång året med en intervju med min idol, nämligen Dr. Chatterjee. Ja, han är min idol för att han är så fruktansvärt kunnig, har så många bra idéer, är en sån sanslöst bra retoriker och har en oerhört skön röst att lyssna på. Och ja, jag kan hålla på länge och prata om hur bra jag tycker att han är, men jag tycker vi skiter i det och går egentligen bara rakt på intervjun och lyssnar på honom istället. Vi fick den stora glädjen, jag och Lina, att träffa honom på Norstedts, alltså förlaget här i Stockholm. Och fick sitta och prata med honom en timme, eller Lina fick, jag fick sitta bredvid då. Men det var ju trevligt ändå för mig. Och ja, sluta prata nu Sebastian, nu kör vi. Hej! Så, so, Dr. Chatterjee. Here we are again. Here we are again. I must say that I have enjoyed every single one of your books. They are very, very accessible and very inspiring. Thank you. I just read this. It's called Viktbalansen in Swedish, and it's called Feel Great, Lose Weight in English. And in this book, you stress in the very start of the book that it shouldn't be put on the individual, that it's our fault that we have become overweight and obese. Yeah, I think the world's changed. You know, the world now in which most of us live, whether it's in the UK or here in Sweden, is very different from the world of 50 years ago. Certainly from 100 years ago, but even 50 years ago. Our environment and when I say environment, I mean many different things. Our food environment is dramatically different now. Yeah. 50 years ago, it was a lot of whole foods, minimally processed. We would cook them from scratch at home. Now there's a lot of fast food, quick, easy, highly processed foods. And I understand the temptation to eat those foods because we are busy. We're rushing around. We're stressed. People are sleep deprived. They're tired. They, they crave quick and easy foods. But the reality is, is that the way that we are living our lifestyles means that many of us really, really struggle with our health. Mm. Um, I don't just mean being overweight or having type 2 diabetes, even things like depression, anxiety, uh, migraines, uh, hormone problems, uh, low libido, all kinds of things. We know are hugely influenced by our lifestyle. So I start off the book by saying to people, this is not your fault. Mm. Okay, don't blame yourself. And I think around the topic of weight loss, because many people are trying to lose weight all the time. Mm. And weight loss is really interesting. People buy diet books, they follow plans, or they punish themselves in the gym. And that can sometimes work for two or three weeks, maybe one or two months. But then usually the weight comes back on to where it was before and sometimes even higher than where it was before. And the diet industry is really interesting. At that point, nobody blames the diet. They all blame themselves. Mm. They say, I'm a failure. I can't stick to this. And that's why I felt it was really important right at the start of this book is to say, this is not your fault. Don't blame yourself. The system, society is working against you, but let me help you. Let me show you where the obstacles might be in your life and what small things you can do that are going to make a big difference. Mm. Because you also write that if you would take one of your ancestors and put them in the environment today, 
they would also have had, had to make an effort to maintain a healthy weight. Yeah, people in the past, whether we're talking about 100,000 years ago with the hunter-gatherer ancestors, or even 500 years ago, you know, our ancestors weren't trying to be healthy. Mm. They didn't have more motivation than us and think, right, I'm not going to have the fast food today. Um, I'm going to move my body today. No, they were trying to take the easy option, just like us. Mm. It just so happens back then the easy option or the only option was whole foods. The only option to live and be was to move your body regularly. Mm. You would have decent amounts of sleep. You know, when it got dark in the evening, you didn't have infinite distractions to keep you up till midnight, you know, playing video games or, or watching box sets you'd end up going to sleep. Yeah. They, they were no different from us. And I, I passionately believe this, that if you took them and put them in the 21st century, also over half, you know, over 50% would be struggling with their weight. And we see this around the world. If you take indigenous people out of their environments and you put them into a Western city, within months, everything changes. The health gets worse. People pull on weight. Mm. So... Our environment is definitely driving a lot of our health outcomes, a lot of our weight problems. And I want the environment and culture and society to change. Mm. But, you know, I also want to help individuals and say, look, I know it's tough, but even though it is tough out there, actually, let me help you. Let me show you that there is always a way mm. to help you improve your health and lose weight if that's what you want. There's always a way once you find the right approach for you. Mm. I read in your book that even if you shouldn't put any shame or guilt on the individual, it's also important to acknowledge and not ignore if you're overweight. Why? Yeah, this is a really tricky point. You know, weight loss now, I don't know if it's the same as Sweden, but in the UK, it's become a very controversial topic. Mm. Yes, it is in Sweden. You can't well. talk about no. it, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we are confusing two issues. Right. Mm. Issue number one is people say we shouldn't be shaming people for their weight, that the, the fat, the excess fat that people are carrying on their bodies is not a reflection of who they are. I agree. I've never intentionally shamed anyone, any one of my patients in my career for being overweight. So I agree there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of discrimination against people who are larger in society. I, I totally understand that. But that doesn't mean we should go one step further and say that this is healthy, mm. right? And this is where as a doctor, I had to tread very carefully, but also I couldn't hide from the issue and say it wasn't important. You know, the truth is, is that, yes, you are so much more than the weight on your body. You know, you are a, uh, an individual who has so many qualities and values none of which we can tell from looking at your external appearance. I totally understand that. But at the same time, we know from the research that when you're carrying extra body weight and extra body fat, you're gonna, uh, you won't live as long. You're at increased risk of all kinds of diseases like heart disease, uh, depression, anxiety. Um, you're gonna be more inflammatory in your body because of the excess body weight. Um, you know, so, so there is a real health consequence. So I don't know if I made that clear or not. I'm saying- You made it very clear. I'm and saying, uh, yeah. I don't, let's not fat shame people. No. Let's be kind and compassionate, mm. but let's also not um, patronize people with excess weight and say, it's not having a health outcome. Mm. It is. Mm. And so I think you can be kind and compassionate to the people around you, to yourself, and also lose weight in a, in a sustainable way. Mm. In your book, you uh, identify five important keys to lose weight. So when I, you know, I know you've written books as well, but I remember when I was putting this book together and I thought, okay, there's a million weight loss books in the world already. What can you contribute that is different, mm. you know? Because I never want to repeat what's already out there. Like mm -hmm. I want to see, have I got a sort of unique perspective that I feel could be helpful? 
And what I see is a lot of focus just on what we're eating mm -hmm. and how much we're exercising. And those things are certainly important, but they're not everything. And this is when I came up with this idea of, okay, how can I frame this for people in a way that is simple to understand, but, but takes into account the kind of complexity of the problem? And it's these five areas. So mm. the book is split into these five areas. The first one is what we eat. Mm. Then it's why we eat, how we eat, where we eat, and when we eat. Mm. So five different areas and all five we have to consider because they're not all going to be relevant for every individual, but some of them are. And you know, I'll give you an example. So a lot of the attention goes on what we're eating. Mm. And of course that's important. But if I'm honest, most of my patients who are trying to lose extra weight from their body, you know, most of them, and I, I, and I, I reckon it will be the same in Sweden, they know that too much ice cream in the evening is not going to help them. Mm. Too many sweets and biscuits and potato chips aren't going to help them. They kind of already know that. Mm. So the question for me isn't they need more information. It's like, why do so many of us, even though we know that those foods aren't helping us with our goals, why do we still engage in eating them? Mm. And the best way I can put it, which I wrote about, is that we used to eat to fill a hole in our stomachs. I love when you write that. Now we eat to fill a hole in our hearts. Mm. You know, when we're, when we're lonely, we eat. When we're stressed, we eat. When we have a row with our partner, we eat. When the children's bedtime has gone on too long, we eat. When we've had a bad day stuck on Zoom calls and we haven't seen another human being or been outside, mm. we turn to food. So food now plays a role in our lives that it never used to. Mm. And unless we look at that, we'll never change people's behavior. No. Um, I think one of, one of the, well, there's a really nice exercise I've got in the book, which I can share if you, mm, if yes, you want. Yes, I would love to. Um, but just, again, a bit, a bit more sort of zooming out of this problem, stress. Mm. Stress eating is huge. I mean, that I think everyone can relate to. Can when all... I'm stressed, I'm, I'm, I find myself open the fridge or the cupboards and just I just need something, you know. Yeah, so you're like me. I don't know your health um, history, but, you know, looking at you or looking at me, no one would typically say that we need to lose uh, extra body weight, right? Mm. But it doesn't mean we don't have certain tendencies that we would like to change, yeah. you know, right? We all do, mm. you know. For me, I can eat some of that stuff and I probably won't put on weights. So on one hand, I'm lucky. On the other hand, I will feel it in other ways with headaches or poor sleep or mm. spots, you know. I will experience it in a different way. Yeah. And stress eating is really important. If you look at the research, 80% of us change our eating behavior in response to stress. Now, 45% wow. of us, right, like you and me, eat mm. more in response to stress, but 35% of us eat less in response mm -hmm. to stress. So the point I'm trying to make is, if you are struggling with your weight, if stress is driving your eating behavior, you don't need a new diet book. No. Right? The problem is stress. The problem isn't diet. Mm. Yes, you're eating the food you don't want to eat, but the reason you're eating them is because of stress. Mm. So therefore, I need to help you manage the stress in your life so that you make better food choices. Mm. Right? And that's why the book is taking this rounded approach to say, yes, I'll help you with what to eat, but I'll also help why you eat as well. I mentioned stress. Let me mention sleep very quickly. Sleep. Mm. Some of my patients, I've helped them lose weight and I've not touched their diets. I've got them sleeping better. And why would that be the case? So we know that if you sleep five hours a night compared to eight hours, you will eat 22% more calories wow. the next day. Mm -hmm. Right, so five days of not sleeping well, you're eating a whole extra day's worth of calories just from those five days not sleeping. Right, so, you know, again, if your sleep is driving your eating behavior. You don't need more advice on food. You need better help with sleep. Mm. And we know when you haven't slept well, you're not craving fruit and vegetables the next day. No. 
you're craving <laughs> sugar, pastries, yeah. croissants, biscuits, pizza. Yeah. pizza. That's what you crave,、mm. and it's harder to resist those cravings when you're sleep deprived. So, again, someone might be listening to this and go, "My sleep's fine, and yet I'm struggling." Okay, sleep may not be the issue for that individual.、Mm. Maybe it's what they're eating. Maybe it's when they're eating. Again,、mm. when you eat, for some people, can be really important. Now we come into a subject that I I know it's、uh, very important to you because we're talking about treating the symptom, but not the root cause of why we eat the wrong food. And、um, on your website, I read that we're using the 20th century's thinking to cure 21st century's. Problem problems and diseases, and this is more or less the same that doctors are trained to cure symptoms. Yeah, but today's illnesses are not about that. Could but, you please tell us a bit more about how you see this uh, new? Uh, because you say the good thing is that、mm-hmm. there is proven that we can successfully treat these kind、yeah. of new illnesses, but how? Yeah, you know, as as doctors. We are trained very much to hear what the patient's symptoms are, try and come up with a diagnosis. What is the problem? And most of our training is once we know the name of the problem, we then go to the treatment pathway, which is invariably includes pharmaceutical drugs. Now, don't get me wrong; pharmaceutical drugs can be very useful for some things. You know, maybe I've said this to you previously on 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 your podcast, but. You know, a classic example is a severe chest infection, like a pneumonia.、Mm. If you're struggling with that, you've got fever, you've got a bad cough, you're bringing up lots of spit and sputum, and you go see the doctor. We can examine you. We can do some tests and say, yeah, this is the bug that's causing it. We're going to give you an antibiotic to treat that bug and get you better.、Mm. That is modern medicine at its best. Right? A week later, you feel like a different person. That bug has been killed. You feel better, but then we try and apply the same type of thinking to these chronic lifestyle-driven problems, and it just simply doesn't work. Let's say it's, let's take a migraine,、mm. for example. Headaches and migraines are really common. So if you come see your doctor, what we're trained to do is ask you about the type of headache. How often does it come on? Do you have any visual symptoms with it? Do you feel sick? We try and build up a picture because then we can give it a label. Oh, this is a tension headache. This is a cluster headache. This is a migraine, and once we've given it a label, we can then find the right drug to treat it.、Mm. That's how I was trained. But that is only ever treating a symptom. So let's say you come in with that migraine. What I think we should be saying is, look, your symptoms are consistent with a migraine. Now we do have some drugs that will help reduce the pain. But they're not going to help you get rid of this problem,、mm. okay?、Uh, would you like me to help you try and figure out why you're having these migraines? Now, most patients at that point will say, "Yeah, I would love to help me find out." Some patients will say, "Doctor, I've got to work tomorrow. This migraine is getting in the way. Can I have something to help me?"、Mm. I don't mind that. We just need to be open and transparent and ask the patient. And sometimes I think a drug can be useful in the short term to help with the symptoms. But meanwhile, we should be helping our patients go. Ah, maybe you're eating this food that you're disagreeing with, or maybe your work is too stressful. You don't have enough time to yourself, and this tension in your life is coming into your body, and it's contributing to the migraines.、Yeah. So when I say we need,、um, you know, we're using twentieth century. Thinking for 21st century problems. I mean that we're just, you know, if the headache, if the migraine, if, the, if you come and see the doctor and we say it's a migraine, we give you a tablet, and the and the pain goes down. Oh yeah, we think yeah, we solved the problem. We haven't solved、mm. the problem. We've helped you reduce your pain temporarily, but you have to keep taking the drug.、Mm. So why don't we try and get to the root cause of the problem? Sometimes it's easier than with other patients. Sometimes it's hard,、mm. but I found you can almost always get to that root cause with people.、Uh, if we're talking about weight, 20th century thinking is patients overweight, 
whatever approach possible, they need to lose weight.、Mm. And if they lose a bit of weight, then we succeeded. But most people who lose weight in the short term will put it on afterwards. And, yeah, and you write that it even、uh, many diets even make the patients come back in even worse shape yeah, than before. Yeah, they do. They do because they change your body's、uh, set point, and, and we'll come to that. I think it's a really important con-、uh, important concept. But in terms of getting to the root cause of the problem, we mentioned stress eating, right? This、mm. exercise in the book is called the three F's,、mm. and I think it's really useful for people. So let's say、um, you are sitting at home in the evening. A dark Swedish cold. Yeah, we know that <laughs> evening. Okay, and、mm. you are watching television or you're on your computer, and you have a craving.、Uh, you know, I fancy some ice cream or something sweet or some biscuits. Right.、Mm. Many of us do. I get those cravings sometimes.、Mm. So this three F exercise is to help people build some awareness. So the three Fs are feel, feed, and find. Right. So the first F is feel. Next time you get a craving, before you have it, just take a quick pause and ask yourself: What am I really feeling? Is this physical hunger, or is this emotional hunger?、Mm. And you'll often find, you know, what I'm not really hungry, but I, I'm just—I've not had any time to myself all day. The kids have been up late. This is my time to nourish myself.、Mm. Or I've been really stressed all day. Okay, fine. Acknowledge what the feeling is. If you want to go and eat it, eat it. But I'm just helping you build awareness. The second F is feed. Now that you know what the feeling is, okay, I'm stressed. Ask yourself, how does food feed that emotion? Ah,、oh, when I'm stressed and I have something sweet, I feel less stressed.、Hmm. Okay, great. So you're now building in that awareness. The third F is find. Now that you know the feeling, stress. Now that you know how food feeds that feeling. So the sugar makes you feel less stressed. Now, can you find a non-food behavior、mm. to feed the feeling? So, if it was stress, it could be, or、oh, maybe I'll do ten minutes of yoga.、Mm. If you're feeling lonely and the ice cream makes you feel less lonely, maybe you could phone your best friend or phone your parents.、Mm. If you、um, feel you've not had any time to yourself all day, instead of diving into the ice cream, you could run yourself a hot bath. And nourish your mind and your body in a different way. And I know this sounds really simple, but at its core, it really is that simple. And I found in twenty years of seeing patients that when you help the patient build in this awareness, they're then empowered to make changes by themselves.、Mm. They don't need me in the future. My, my my goal with all of my books, right, especially this one, is to help the reader. Become the expert in their own lives. I want them to understand themselves because once they do, habit change and behavior change is much much easier.、Mm. This is simply not. It's not simple, maybe, but it's simply to change a bad habit to a habit that will give you feeling good about yourself on the long term instead of short term fixes all the time. Yeah, and it's also understanding that every behavior in our life. It serves a role.、Mm. It's there for a reason. You know, we don't just put our hands in the cookie jar for no reason. It's, it, it, it but that reason is going to be different for all of us. Sometimes we'll be hungry.、Mm. Okay, fine. But more often than not, it's boredom, loneliness, stress, fatigue, something to do.、Mm. And that's one of the reasons the weight、uh, gain is such a big problem these days. Is because we've got food everywhere. We never even feel hungry anymore. No. Because as soon as there's any discomfort, we quickly eat,、mm. you know. But but you can do things about it. That's that's what I'm trying to showcase to people. Please don't worry. Please don't get anxious. Please don't panic. I know it is tough out there, but there are things you can do. We talked about,、uh, or we mentioned previously, when we eat, and I know that you also have、uh, talked to Professor Panda. About time-restricted、yeah. eating window, do you practice that yourself? I do. So time-restricted eating is this whole idea that actually all the food we're going to eat, we eat within a certain time window.、Mm. So、um, 
it's not really about what we're eating. What we're eating is important. This is purely about changing when you eat. So the simplest way to do time-restricted eating is a 12-hour window. So you eat all the food you're going to eat, let's say breakfast, lunch, and dinner, within 12 hours. And actually, for most people, it's very doable. That would mean breakfast at, I don't know, eight o'clock in the morning, you finish dinner by 8 p.m. or seven till seven. And then what that does is it means you have 12 hours, your body has 12 hours in every 24 hours where it's not digesting food. Hopefully you're sleeping for seven or eight hours of them. And the research is showing us that it can help us with weight loss, energy, blood sugar control, better immune system function, Sometimes it really helps with our sleep. Sometimes it helps us with our irritable bowel syndrome symptoms. Mm. And you don't change what you eat, only when you eat. Yeah, that's amazing. It really is. Now, one thing I will say, not every approach works for every single person. For some people, time-restricted eating is game-changing. For me, it has been because I've been someone who has been very unaware of yeah. what I'm eating. I just, if I pass a table and there's something there, I just put something in my mouth. But when I started to do time-restricted eating, I, uh, I then uh, became aware of that now it's not the time for me to eat. Yeah. So uh, then I drink water instead. And that, that works so good yeah. for me. Uh, for me, I do 12 hours a day. I mm. sometimes compress it to 10 hours, but no- my norm is 12 hours. I've just built it in now. So I'm, and and when I don't do it, the odd occasion where I eat, let's say later than I want to, Mm. you know, I don't sleep as well. No. And I can feel it the next morning. I have, it almost feels like a hangover, Mm. but I'm not drunk any alcohol. It's a food hangover. Yeah. So I think time restricted eating for some people is game changing. I would encourage people to start at 12 hours because it's simple. And if you like it, you can experiment. You can go down to 11 hours or 10 hours and see how you feel. But for some people, as I say, and there's a few, there's a couple of case studies in the book where this changed everything for people. Mm. Um, So that's one way of looking at when we're eating. Another way of looking at when we're eating is, do we eat most of our calories in the first half of the day Mm. or the second half of the day? And there's been quite a few studies now which have shown if you eat the majority of your calories before 3 or 4 p.m., you still have an evening meal, just not huge. Mm. Actually, they've shown that some people lose more weight when they eat it in the first half of the day than when they eat the same amount of calories, but it's more in the second half of the day. And again, this speaks to, I guess, a lot of Sachin Panda's work, which is that we have these natural rhythms in our body, these natural, we've spoken about it before, circadian Mm. rhythms. And when we can eat in harmony with our body's natural rhythm, it's much easier to eat less, to not overeat. It's much easier to manage our weight. Mm. So again, people don't have to choose. You can experiment and go, let me try this one. Let me try that one. Mm. But, but I'll also say some people don't need to do that. Some people can work on their sleep, work on their stress, and they eat everything in a 12-hour window, but they eat a late evening meal with their family mm. after work. And they can also do well. So I know I keep saying it, but it's, I really want to get this message across that what the book will help people do is find out what is the right approach for you. Mm. And that I like so much because there is no size fits all. No. And then what happens with weight gain is that people say, oh, my best friends went on a low carb diet. They lost all the weight. They look great. I tried it and it didn't work for me. I'm the failure. Mm. Or they say, oh, my sister's friend did... Um, the 16-8 intermittent fasting and their life is fantastic now. I tried it and I got tired and I had mood swings. And the point is, it's about finding the right approach for you. All of these approaches, low carb, low fat, vegan, uh, 16-8, time-restricted eating, all of them can work for the right person, but it has to fit in with you, your genes, your biology. It has to fit in with your lifestyle. It sounds complicated, but I hope what I've done in the book is make it really simple for people to say, look, you don't have to do everything. Let me help you figure out where you need to put your attention. And this is what I'm passionate about. I want to empower people to become the architects of their own health. I just want to be their guide. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You have a lot of useful tips in this book. And one of them is, as you said, have dinner for breakfast. Another one is have veggies first. I like that because I read you do that with your children. I do that with my children. I do the same with my children and to myself, actually. It's great. It's like the example I use in the book is that one of the meals we often have at home is uh, wild salmon, sweet potato wedges, and then veg, whether it's like kale and broccoli or cabbage, something like that. And, you know, when my kids were younger, it'd be interesting. It'd be like, oh, they've eaten the salmon. They've eaten all the sweet potato wedges. But the kale and the broccoli is left on the plate. Yeah. And so I started uh, giving them their vegetables first. (laughs) And they're like, Daddy, what about the sweet potato? And the salmon? I said, no, no, once you finish the veg... I'll give it to you. It's all here, waiting. It's all hot. Just eat your veg first. And when we do it this way, A, they finish all the vegetables, Mm. and then they actually eat less overall because it fills them up. They have the salmon, then they're not having quite as many of the sweet potato wedges. Mm. Whereas the other way around, it can be really difficult. And if you look at the research, the research backs us out. You know, if people who have like a salad at the start of the meal eat less calories overall, Mm. you know? And so, again, for many people who are trying to lose weight, what they struggle with is portion control, Mm. right? They they are used to eating bigger quantities. They find it hard to stop. And this is a very simple trick Mm. that can really help because these vegetables, like let's say broccoli, now you eat it, you have to chew, Mm. right? Because... It's a real food. You can't just inhale the food no. quickly. You have to chew it, so that slows things down. And because of all the fiber in it, it within five to it starts to fill up in, in your stomach. Mm. And you naturally start to feel full earlier. Mm. And this is, again, one of the problems with the kind of highly processed food that we're seeing everywhere now. We can eat it really quickly. You barely have to chew it. You can just inhale it. And it's very easy to overeat Mm. because it takes a long time to register that fullness fullness signal. uh, And often it doesn't have any fiber in and fiber helps to keep us full. Mm. So, I mean, you know know what I'm like with these, but I always try and pack in little practical tips that I've seen over 20 years work with people. And I say, look, try it. This, you may not, you can't do all the tips. It's too many, but hopefully people will find a few that, that really work for them. I'm sure, I'm sure actually that uh, everyone could find a few tips. Something will work during one phase in your life yeah. and something else work during another phase in your life because everything changes. And um, there was one thing in the book. Uh, it's really, um, I really like the term trigger food. I've never read it before. <laughs> or I never heard it before, but to me, it, it was such a great word you uh, invented. Tell us about trigger food. Yeah, so, you know, and again, I know I'm speaking to a fellow author, but when I'm trying to put a book together, I'm always thinking about how can I take the science and 
all the years of experience I've got and make it something that's easy to read and easy to understand, where you're being true to the science, but you're not boring people and not, not weighing them down with too much to get through. And this is when, you know, I, I sometimes in, in English, I call them blissy foods or we call them trigger foods in the Swedish translation. And the idea is really that there are certain foods that we find very hard to resist. Okay, they, they literally trigger us to overeat and eat more of these foods. And there's a reason for it. These foods, or I should say food-like products, mm. have been deliberately engineered this way by food scientists. So, you know, I, I always recommend we eat whole foods, real food, the sort of foods that our grandparents were eating, mm. our ancestral foods. These are the foods that naturally make us feel full. They help us control our weight naturally. Uh, and it, when we eat lots of them, it, it makes us less tempted to eat these trigger foods. Trigger foods are things like, I don't know, salted caramel ice cream, mm. right? That didn't exist 50 years ago. That has been engineered. Put salt and caramel together and it will, um, it will really hit what's called your brain's bliss points. You get this real intense feelings of reward and bliss and you feel fantastic. Mm. And what that does is it releases a chemical called dopamine in your body. Mm. So dopamine is a reward chemical. So um, when dopamine is up, you feel intense feelings of reward in your body and you are motivated to repeat that same behavior again. So the more often you eat these trigger foods, the more your dopamine starts to go up. And then what happens is that your dopamine starts to go up simply when you see that food or smell the food, even before you eat it, mm. your dopamine goes up, which makes it very hard to resist. So this is one of the other reasons why people, they kind of struggle to you know, reduce their intake of these foods because they are literally changing your biology. And so, you know, one of the things you can do is revert back to real foods as much as possible. Don't keep trigger foods in your house is a mm. tip I would give. It mm. is very, I, I've written four books on this stuff, right? I would find it hard to resist. I don't have any trigger foods at home because me, me I know me and my children would just have gone eating yeah, all the time. Exactly. It's not that we're weak. It's just that our biology will drive us mm. to eating those foods. So I say, savor those foods when you're out in company with your friends, right? Mm. Maybe on a Sunday, you are catching up with a friend in a coffee shop. Enjoy something like that there in company. Don't use it to fill your boredom and the hole in your heart when you're at mm. home, no. right? Um, so trigger foods are problematic because a lot of them also are full of refined carbohydrates and refined oils. Mm. Now, why is that a problem? Now, when it comes to our health and our weight, there's a hormone called leptin. Mm. Now, leptin is probably the most important hormone when it comes to our weights. It's released by fat cells in the body. So we've all got fat cells. They release leptin and leptin basically says to your brain, we've got enough fuel on board. We don't need to take in more fuel. Right? So it's very important. And if your body can hear the signal of leptin, you won't overeat. The problem is many of us now have something called leptin resistance. Mm. The body's sending out the signal of leptin, but we can't hear it. We're deaf to the sound of leptin. Now, trigger foods are a big part of that. When we eat these kind of highly processed trigger foods regularly, two things happen. Number one, the refined carbohydrates in the food drive up inflammation in the body. Inflammation is this kind of survival mode when our body thinks it's under attack. Mm. So it, inflammation contributes to leptin resistance. Mm. The other thing that these foods have in them are refined fats. And refined fats, they interfere with the body's ability to switch off the inflammation. So mm. you've got inflammation going on yeah. and you no longer can switch off the inflammation. So that's one big problem with these blissy foods. The second problem is that they have an ability to really spike your blood sugar and your body's mm. insulin level. And, you know, whole foods can spike your sugar and insulin, but not to the same degree and not as quickly. And when that happens, that it causes insulin resistance 
and that is associated with leptin resistance. So I don't mean to get too complex, mm. but essentially what people need to understand is that actually the foods that they're consuming can change your biology and can make it either more likely you're going to binge eat or less likely. And so, you know, I outline in the book simple things that people could do to really try and get back to basics when it comes to your diets. But a really important point for people is even if you've got leptin resistance now, and most people who are carrying excess weight do have leptin resistance, even if you have, there are things that you can do. You can change it. It doesn't mean you've got it for life. You didn't have it 10, 15, 20 years ago. It developed and we can help it undevelop as well. And there you you uh, focus on something in the book that I try to focus on every day when I eat, actually, to buy food with no ingredients list. Yeah. And cook it from scratch yourself. And you also write that the diets that have worked historically, all of them have in common that they are focusing on ingredients with no ingredients list or products with no ingredients list. Yeah, look, uh, yesterday, um, well, I got to Stockholm on Tuesday night. Mm. And yesterday I went for the day to, see if I can get this right, Umeo. Ah, Umeo, yeah, Is that, they're very well, good. Okay, mm. so it was this coastal city, the, the weather was awful. Mm. It was grey, it was drizzly. And dark very early. And very dark, mm. but it was great to be there. And I was filming for, a, uh, I think, a TV show called Ask the Doctor. Mm. Um, and we went to a supermarket. So they were filming me in the supermarkets. And we were talking about foods. And it's really interesting that, number one, Sweden is great for plastic, I noticed. Like, in the UK, all these fruit and vegetables are full of plastic Um, mm. Whereas in the supermarket I went to yesterday, there was no plastic there. Mm. It was really nice to see. Yeah. Um, I was very impressed. Mm. Um, but, you know, real whole food doesn't have an ingredient label. You know, an avocado, you don't pick up and on the back it says, there's not five or ten ingredients, right? Meat, fish, fruit, vegetables, there's no ingredient label. But the processed food, they all have ingredient labels. You look on the back. There's often 10, 15 different ingredients, and most of them we don't even recognize. No. Now, I understand the temptation to eat them. And now and again, we're all going to eat some of those foods. But you want to make most of your diet what I call one-ingredient foods, mm. right? It's just, you know, a carrot is a carrot. Yeah. A parsnip is a parsnip. Mm. Uh, horseradish is horseradish. Mm. You know, I know it sounds so simple, But actually, at its core, food can be. And this is where I think this is where we can cut through all the dietary battles and wars. Mm. Low carb, vegan, low fat. Look, I understand people get really passionate. They try a certain approach. It works for them. I don't want to share that with people. I understand that. But, you know, I've been seeing patients for 20, over 20 years now. And... My patients have taught me a lot. I've learned and I've seen some people do great on low carb, but some people do great on a vegan diet. Mm. Some people get exhausted on a vegan diet. Some people don't manage with low carb. Again, these diets and these, these ways of eating can work, but you'll only know when you experiment. And if they yeah. don't work, it doesn't mean you did it wrong. It just may not be the right approach for you. Mm. Talking about the, the useful tips you give in the book, mm. you give one more tip that is add protein to every meal because then you mm. get a sense of fullness. Yeah. And um, if you're a vegan, that means you add lentils and, and uh, beans mm. and yeah. stuff. But you also write that you should add proteins even to breakfast. So if we look at the kind of dietary advice I tend to give all my patients, at the top is eat real food, minimally processed food. Right? Mm. That I think is the overarching theme. Having said that, for certain people, a focus on individual what we call macronutrients, carbs, protein, and fat, can be helpful sometimes. I never lead with that. I always try and get the principle right. But then, yeah, for some people, we need to focus on certain things. When it comes to weight loss, or frankly, 
for all of us, if we want to, you know, even many of us who don't want to lose weight, we'd like to eat less or be tempted to snack less. Mm. And I think protein can be really helpful here because protein is a very satiating macronutrient. It's the, it's the, it's the thing that keeps us full the most and for the longest. Mm. So if you eat protein with every meal, you're much less likely to feel hungry after an hour or two. So what could this, you know, of course it could be meat and fish, it could be eggs, it could be tofu, beans, lentils, it could be cheese potentially. Yogurt. And yogurts, exactly. These things can really help us be full for longer. And breakfast is a meal where we often don't think about this, mm. where we have quite a carb-rich breakfast. Yeah. And then we wonder why we're really hungry one hour later mm. because our blood sugar has gone up. One hour or two hours later, it starts to fall again. And when it falls, we feel hungry. Mm. Whereas if we could add some protein or some healthy natural fat to our breakfast, actually you'll find you're much fuller for longer. I know in Sweden, I think from what I can tell, oats is a very popular breakfast. Yeah. So, you know, oats can put your sugar up, your blood sugar up. Okay. I know because I had one of these. Did you? What happened? Yeah, I had it uh, for two weeks. And when I had oats, it went up so high, higher than any other uh, wow. thing I had. But uh, And there you go. And someone else, this goes back to the individual yeah. nature. You may have a friend who does the same thing and they hardly see exactly. a rise at all. Mm. And so if someone is having oats and they don't have the opportunity to test for themselves, mm. You know, you can do things if you add nuts and seeds yeah. to it. You're adding protein, you're adding fat. That means it's going to stabilize the sugar. You're going to feel fuller for longer. Mm. There's plenty of things that we can do. We can combine foods. We can add things in. So instead of adding bananas to the oats, mm. which is more kind of sugary things, mm. we can add more fats mm. or, or protein potentially or have some protein on the side to keep us full for longer. Mm. And you know, a lot of this stuff really isn't complicated. No. it's We just need to learn how to do it. And then we can experiment for ourselves and go, oh, I feel better when I have nuts with my porridge. Okay, great. You now know. Mm. You, you're now not tempted to have a snack at 11 a.m. You can wait till lunch. Mm. You know, so there's lots of really simple things like this. back to that we eat our feelings you write that it could be wise to speak kindly to yourself what do you mean with that yeah you see this with all kinds of uh, patients these days but particularly around the issue of weight we can have some pretty negative self-talk going on we mm. can be quite mean about ourselves we can say you know you know, I'm a failure, I can't stick to any plan. You know, I, I said I was gonna do workout every day, I can't even manage this. Um, you know, we can use quite a lot of negative talk. And actually, this is very powerful for the mind. You know, we start to feel a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. And shame never helps anyone change in the long term. Mm. Right? Never. It helps for a few weeks, but then the shame leads to more problematic behaviors like comfort eating, more alcohol, staying up late. Mm. So talking to ourselves the right way is really, really important. I'll give you a very kind of slightly related to this, like the way we talk about our illness or the fat we have on our bodies is, is important. Now, I don't know what it is in Swedish, but in English, you might say, I am fat. Mm. Now, you say that in Swedish as well, yeah. Now, here's the problem with that. For some patients, I am fat means your whole sense of who you are is tied up around your weight. So to actually lose weight and lose fat would lose a part of who you are because I am fat. Whereas if you were to say, I'm currently carrying extra weight on my body, it's less emotional. It's, it's more... Um, it's more detached. It's like, no, there's me and all my self-worth and my values and my kindness for other people. And there's also my weight. They're not the same thing. Mm. But sometimes the way we talk, it's like the same with depression. You know, I am depressed. Mm. You know, 
it's like you've got to be careful with how you phrase these things. It, it could be that today I feel low mm. is a bit more detached, saying I am depressed. Mm. You know, I have depression. It's part of who I am. Mm. It's very hard then to remove yourself from that. So there is a section for people who are listening. Says there, there is a section in the book on this to help people reframe their language. Like instead of I can never stick to any health plan, um, it could be I'm choosing to make one small change this week. Mm. And these things sound small, they are so powerful for the right person, um, and that's why I think it's really important to talk about these things. Mm. We call it the inner. Critics, yeah, and uh, yeah. I think it's so important. Even if you're struggling with weight or something else, it's very important to start to be aware of how you speak to yourself. Yeah, I'd go as far as saying, if someone's listening or watching to this and they have struggled with their inner voice and they're struggling with their health and their weight, even before you start changing your diet or change your workout regime, I would say. What's the voice like in your head, mm. right? Because most of us know. We know we if we hear it in someone else, we'd say, "Don't talk to yourself like that." Mm. Come on, you know you're great. You know, of course you can do this. With ourselves, man, you're a failure. You can't stick to anything. I used to have that, right? So I get it. I used to have that sort of voice in my head, but I've changed it. It's taken time, but I I now really like the person I see in the mirror, mm. right? I don't. Talk negatively to myself, you know. In the past, if something I couldn't, oh man, you're such a loser. You can't do this. And I'm like, well, why? Why am I talking to myself like that? Yeah. Why would I call myself a loser? Mm. And over time, these things can change. And once you become aware in yourself, once you become aware in other people, you really start to catch yourself. And if all you do for three or four weeks is slowly start changing the language you use to talk about yourself, I promise. This will make a difference with your overall health. This will make a difference with your weight.、Mm. I usually say to my children that whenever you caught that inner voice speaking badly about yourself to yourself, just stop it and try to say one or two or three good and nice thing to yourself instead.、Yeah. You know, to change it、uh, and just cut it. You know, it's interesting because I've been talking to my kids about this. Yeah, and my son loves to play snooker. Mm. We have a little table at home, and maybe six months ago we were playing. I was really tired. Work had been really busy, you know, so we we're a bit more reactive than usual. And、uh, I think I missed a shot, and I I didn't say the sort of thing I would have used to say to myself. But I think I said, "Oh man, I can't believe you missed that."、Mm. So that wasn't too bad.、Mm. And my son said, I think he was ten at the time, or maybe nine. I can't remember how old he was. He said. Come on, Daddy! Don't talk to yourself like that.、Mm. And I, it was so great because I thought, oh, no, I've been teaching him this,、mm. and now he's mirroring back to me some of my own behaviours, and he's helping me change.、Mm. And I really, it was a very special moment because、yeah. I, he's calling me out now.、Mm. And、That's、I thought, wonderful. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah, it's really great.、Mm. Talking about children. You mentioned in your book that your wife and you were、uh, driving around looking at different schools, and you、uh, realized that we need to、uh, have a food revolution in the schools. We we really do. I mean, I, I don't know what it's like in Sweden, but in it's the, the same. The UK, it's it's awful.、Mm. Like the research is so overwhelming that when you feed kids the right food, it helps with their mood.、Mm. Helps with their concentration, their focus,、mm. their energy. Yet we don't pay attention to it. We think it's okay to give them, you know, hot dogs and fries and pizza and ice cream. And look, these foods now and again. I'm not saying people should never have them, but as a routine in schools, I don't think it sends the right message. I think schools should be the model educationally, but、yeah. also behaviorally and nutritionally.、Mm. Why, you know, and what you do then is when when schools are like this, the the parents who are really trying their best、mm. to feed their kids the right way, bring them up the right way, in a very toxic food environment, they're the ones who get penalized because、yeah. like they're fighting against. The norm, and then your kids end up becoming social outcasts because they're not doing the same as everyone else.、Mm. And I really feel that 
it takes strong leadership now, but it needs people to say, no, look, you know what? Uh, I was chatting to Jamie Oliver about this a few years ago. And we were at this meeting together. We were saying that schools should be these safe, healthy zones. I also feel that if you know, a parent wants to enjoy some ice cream with their children, that should be the parent's choice. On yeah. a Friday or a weekend, they do it together. It shouldn't be the school doing that, in my view. Now, I know this is a controversial topic. I agree. People get very triggered, but I know what I believe. I'm str I really believe that we've got this wrong in schools big time, and I really feel it needs to change. Mm. I, I totally agree. So what are your best tips to someone who is listening to this now and who really wants to lose weight? Okay. So for someone who really wants to now make a go of their health and really make progress at losing weight, first thing you've got to do is identify what is the problem for you. Is it what you eat or is it why you eat or when or how or where? That's the first thing you've got to do, okay? And hopefully some of the things we've spoken about in the podcast today will help them. Then in terms of practical things that we can do, if you want to change when you eat, start off with a 12-hour eating window, okay? See how you go. If you're, you're enjoying that, if you're feeling more energy, better sleep, you're feeling you're snacking less, maybe move it down to 11 or 10 hours. And if that's not working, go back to 12, okay? Mm. Really simple thing. Number two, don't neglect your sleep. When you sleep better, you will automatically eat less and be less tempted to eat trigger foods. Mm. So that could be enjoying your caffeine in the morning, not in the afternoon, because that mm. can impact, impact your sleep. It could be turning your phone off half an hour before you go to bed to try and reduce stimulation and reduce the impact of the blue light from the phone on your hormones. That can be useful. I'd say really try that 3F exercise mm. to help identify when you are craving food, what is really going on. And again, I think my final tip would be, you know, control the environments you can control. You cannot control the foods you're exposed to at work, when you go outside the door, when you go to the train station, but you can control what comes inside your house. If you don't want to eat it regularly, don't bring it inside the house because you will get tired. You will have a day when you're stressed and you won't be able to resist. So make it as easy for yourself as you possibly can. Mm. Thank you, Dr. Chatterjee. It's been a pleasure to uh, meet you again. Oh, thank you. I always enjoy coming on the show. Thank you. Du har lyssnat på årets första avsnitt av Food Pharmacy-podden, avsnitt 216 närmare bestämt. Och då är det alltså Food Pharmacy-podden med Lina Nertby, Mia Klase och mig Sebastian Ring som även står för musik och redigering. Och i detta avsnitt medverkade ju såklart även Dr. Chatterjee, vilket vi är väldigt tacksamma för. Vill du ha mer av oss så finns vi på foodpharmacy.se och på... Instagram under namnet food underscore pharmacy. Tack, hej! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.